0: Welcome to the GovComs podcast, bringing you the latest insights and innovations from experts and thought leaders around the globe in government communication. Now, here is your host, David Pembroke.
1: Not this time, because your host is me, Andrew Bell, and my guest is David Pembroke. Quite the get that one. Tables turned, though, for a purpose. For a couple of podcasts here on the GovComs podcast, we're looking behind us and ahead of us to see what we have learnt and where we may be going. David if you want to know about these things, has for three decades more been in the media. We met in Wollongong back in the, well, over 30 years ago, where David was a dogged, determined and high-performing radio reporter. He moved on to ABC Radio Current Affairs in Sydney and then to Canberra. And then he established Content Group, who are producing this podcast. And our paths crossed again. Content Group was in many ways ahead of the curve, David and others realising that the media was being democratised by technology and you couldn't hang around waiting for things to happen. They were happening already. Government could now speak directly to the public in a way which perhaps it had never spoken before. The GovCom's podcast is a showroom for that work and already there are over 100 episodes of practitioners talking about what they have learned and how they practice their craft and art. If you haven't listened to any of those episodes, go and have a little listen after you've been listening to this podcast. The work is evolving. David, welcome to your podcast. Thank you very much, Andrew. Um, Marshall McLuhan famously argued the medium is the message. He actually wrote societies have always been shaped more by the nature of the media by which men and women, he didn't write and women, but men and women communicate than by the content of the communication. I would guess you beg to differ with Marshall McLuhan.
0: Well, I'm not sure if I completely disagree um, because I think it's, it's one and the same, really. I think to be effective, you need... To think very clearly and very carefully about not only what it is that you're going to say, but you are, you know, context is is radically important. Um, channels are important. Everything's important, and and really the opportunity is to try to to bring it together into a into a coherent story that connects to people, and do it consistently over time. Because I think the big challenge nowadays is that there is so much choice that people have that it's difficult to earn. A share of their most valuable asset, which is their time and their attention. So I think you really need to look at everything and think about everything and bringing it all together into a compelling story that really connects to people.
1: In this episode of uh, the GovComs podcast, we're looking back. Let's go back to where you were, where Content Group was and where the sector was when you recorded episode one. And, and, and was it still feeling its way with this democratisation? I,
0: I, look, I, I still think it is. I, I think that because you, you've just got to really sort of pull it all back, you know, in public sector and government. And what drives government and public sector communication is politics. And that's where it really begins and ends. Upper and lowercase. Yeah, probably. upper and lowercase. But ministers' offices in the wonderful system of government where we have a democracy, if you win the election, you win the government and you win the the uh, opportunity to have the wonderful public service work on your behalf to uh, implement your policies and programs, services, regulat- regulations, et cetera. And so what that means is what happens at the top impacts what's going on and Still to this day, I think that politicians are too influenced by what happens in the media. They pay way too much attention to what's going on and they don't pay enough attention to trying to explain to people what it is that they're trying to do. So they get pushed and pulled by the dynamics of the media rather than focusing on the opportunity that they now have, which is to tell a relevant, consistent, story and explanation about their policies and programs so as the um, voters, citizens, stakeholders understand what it is that they're trying to do. One of the
1: things that's changed since you started this podcast and since before that time when you started working in this area is the fact that the media space, I hate that phrase but (laughs) we'll use it, the media space is getting more crowded and much more noisy and the, cut, the, the need to cut through has become even more vital. Uh, how have you changed your approach to that? Or have you st- stayed true to some basic tenets?
0: Well, I think that's the only way that you can, you know, if you try to anticipate what's going to come and trying to create content that goes viral, uh, it's a nonsense. It doesn't, it, you know, it's next to impossible to try to anticipate where those opportunities are going to uh, come. So the best way that you can, you can uh, create an impact is to be relevant, is to, create content that can be consumed by citizens and stakeholders in the places where they are and to turn up in a useful, relevant way so you can explain to them and earn the permission to tell them a story. And the only way you can do that is by being consistent over time. And also telling stories
1: and even more so by taking what I'll call a punt or two and government is a little bit wobbly when it comes to moving outside its comfort zone. Have you noticed over the time you've been working in this sector that they're loosening
0: up a bit? Oh, d- definitely. They, they have to loosen up because they have to communicate in a way that's relevant to the audience. And what's happened is uh, the expectations that citizens and stakeholders now have of government is different to what it was previously. So people are socialised by the experiences that they're having uh, with brands, with sporting teams, with not-for-profits, and they're expecting the same sort of service uh, from government, such as uh, you know from a transaction point of view. So if I go to the Commonwealth Bank and I can use an app and it's a great experience, well, why can't I have the same experience if I'm dealing with um, social services or dealing with the tax office? So the expectations of citizens are rising, and I think it's the same in the content space. If I can uh, receive content in the form at the time uh, of that I choose to get it, uh, on the channel that I choose to get it, why can't government do it for me? Why can't they provide that for me? And I think that's the challenge, is getting uh, government and public sector organisations into that mindset of understanding that they have to be um, – driven by the needs of the audience, as opposed to what I want to uh, tell people. It's got to be much more about what do they want to hear and then how can I explain it in a way that connects to them. Since you started working
1: and providing these services, what are the highlights and what are the hardest lessons that you've learned? Ah. Oh.
0: <laughs> well it, it no goes not <laughs> <actual>, but <laughs> well but it seriously. goes back it's 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 an interesting story so I left um the ABC and prior to my career in journalism I'd worked in marketing so the whole idea was I I would, I got a voluntary redundancy from the ABC which was the uh seed capital for content group so that gave me an opportunity to sit around and try to imagine and think about the future now this is in the late 90s mind you um, but what we knew back then was that this was coming, you know, that we would all carry around supercomputers in our pockets, that we would all be able to create content. We knew it. Did we? Did everyone believe it though? Uh, probably not. Probably not. But it made sense to me. Um, and this combination of journalism and marketing and this ability that we were all going to be media companies on behalf of our brands or our not-for-profits or our departments or our agencies, that struck a bit of a chord. So that's when we decided that we'd get started with Content Group. But clearly, uh, technology hadn't caught up. Uh, so I went off and did other things um, in professional sport, but always confident that it was going to come back. And it was probably around 2008, 2009. uh, You know, the iPhone, I think, had a big impact. Um, I think, uh, you know, Facebook, the introduction of social media. And that's really when it started to move. And we're still very early days, I believe, in the government and public sector area, where we're, you know, adopting this media-like mindset, because that's what the challenge is, is to start to get them to think, like the media,
1: how do you do that? How did you do that in the first instance? Because if back in those days, in the late noughties, not everyone even had a smartphone, no. so you were
0: you were talking in theory to yeah. many people. Yeah, it, yeah, it was, it was, it was a pretty long and hard road. But I was always confident that it was going to going to happen, and you could see enough signs that it was going to happen, and it was coming. Uh, it was slow. Uh, but it was coming. and In dealing with government, which is ex-
1: ex- extremely hierarchical, was one of the challenges that by age cohort some people got it or were getting it and others didn't and there was an internal dialogue in government agencies and departments and institutions and before they even got to talking with you and content group?
0: Well, I, I, the... Probably the first in, in the first instance, instance, government was very set up around, and, and still are, which I think is one of the bizarre things is that they, it, it hasn't sort of uh, become adopted more widespread. Is that they're set up to deal with uh, market research, market research drives advertising campaign, uh, with the uh, attendant public relations campaign, and that's how we communicate. Now that's fit for purpose, you know, 1995. Really, where the opportunity now is, is to actually um, take take this opportunity of the democratisation of the factors of media production and distribution and build your own audiences. Because most audiences in government are very narrow. They're not big, wide audiences. Now, yes, we have public health issues like COVID-19, where everybody needs to understand what's going on. And you need advertising, you need wide reach. But most government agencies are communicating to quite narrow audiences. And so it's really about building those communities through creating useful, relevant, and consistent content over time. Now, it's a big change. Now, essentially what we're talking about is a thing called content marketing, which is a, which is a business process, which is about the creation of useful, relevant, consistent content in order to engage a particular audience uh, to achieve a, a particular behaviour or, or outcome. Now, the word marketing, I was going around saying, here, we're doing content marketing. And you could see, as soon as I said marketing... Terror? Well, the, the lights went... It's like, oh, we don't do that. Marketing, that, that's McDonald's, that's Coca-Cola, that's Pepsi. That's not us. We don't mm-hmm. do marketing. And so we ended up... I, you know, It took a while for the penny to drop. I'm you know, sometimes not very bright. Um, but then we started talking about content communication... And as soon as we renamed it to content communication, it was like, oh, well, we do that. We do do communication. And so that was sort of, that's where it sort of started to move. Um, But interestingly enough, I think governments are getting a little bit more comfortable with marketing. Um, Although again, you know, they're terrified of Senate estimates. Uh, You know, senior uh, public servants don't like going up to uh, the, the, the Senate estimates and have to justify how much money they're spending on communication because it's all about spin. Now, it doesn't matter what side of politics you are. They both say, you know, how many people have you got working in communications? How much are you spending? Now... Let's leave to one side the benefits of citizens actually understanding where their taxpayers' money is being spent, whether that's a a useful exercise or not. But it becomes intensely politicised. So at the senior levels of the bureaucracy, they're always like, oh, you know, they want to step back from it. But, look, I think one of the great things that's happened with COVID now is that, you know, I think that's changing. You know, they can see that they need to take advantage of this ability to be able to go direct. And more and more you're going to see uh, government organisations get themselves ready to be able to tell that story because they're going to have to because of the need for speed. We'll get on to
1: that COVID impact in just a moment. Uh, you're listening to the GovComs podcast. I'm Andrew Bell, and with me is the guy's usually in this chair, uh, David Pembroke, and we're in a, doing a couple of episodes looking back, looking forward and reflecting on government communications, part of a broader set of work from Content Group and the GovComs Institute, which is this global platform for government communicators from all over the world to meet, learn and share experiences in order to achieve better outcomes for citizens and stakeholders. Note that citizens come first. The audience comes first. You talked about the penny dropping. Has the penny really clattered? like you've won the jackpot on the on the poker machine because of covid because people have actually made decisions where they want to go they want to go direct to the source the, the health department oh. the is this been so, a,
0: a moment oh, absolutely um, you know there's a great story about the uh, department of health here in 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 canberra and their linkedin page and it went from something like 4000 to 50000 in about a week so all of a sudden, they had this turned-on audience that's sitting there as part of their LinkedIn community. Now, what a gift. So you now have 50,000 people who have chosen to dial into your content. So now the challenge for the health department is is to continue to keep that audience engaged and to grow it over time, so you can communicate and explain what it is that you're trying to. So,
1: is, so is it a light bulb moment? Do you think, or is it a moment that might be, ah, oh, that was
0: COVID? Now, back, no. back to business as usual. No, no, because I think COVID has changed a lot of things um, forever. It's changed the way we work you know, already that flexible work is now baked into pretty much every organisation globally. Uh, and I think the way we communicate also, um, even internally, where you're seeing the, how the, um, you know, the various platforms are being used, whether it's Teams or, or Slack or um, Zoom, you know, it, it's different. And I don't think it, it's going back. And I think this ability to be able to create uh, content and go direct, the genie's out of the bottle, and now what has, what has to happen now is that governments and, and public sector organisations have to race after the genie and be able to guide and direct the genie in such a way that they can better explain policies, programs, services and regulations because that's the point. The point is that they listen to what's going on. And so, again, this is one of the great gifts of um, social media, for example, is that you can put content out, you can ask questions, and you can receive feedback. So the policy that you should be creating um, should be richer because of the fact that it's being informed by the audience, but then you're also understanding, well, what do they want? When do they want it? In what format do they want it? How do we build that trust? How do we build that engagement? And the atomic particle of trust is content. So you have to get into the content business. And they're all trying to get into the content business. But my observation would be is that I think they're trying to do it from that old model of we've got advertising, we've got public relations, we've got speech writing, we've got this, we've got – oh, and now we've got this other thing. It's another silo. Yeah. Which is where the re-engineering needs to take place and what we need to do is to bring the audience, bring the citizen to the centre of what we're doing and then reorganise our resources around the needs of the citizens. That's the big change that's coming.
1: We'll talk about that in the in the episode, more about that in the episode where we're going to be looking to the future and, and perhaps guessing what the future might bring or even predicting or even confidently knowing what the future will I'm bring. Pretty,
0: I'm pretty sure I know what's coming. Uh, so yeah, all right. So <laughs>
1: listen to an episode, folks. But looking <laughs> back from where you started from, yeah. what's, has there been a ripple effect of, of, of an organisation like Content Group and, and similar organisations around the place? Have you discerned that individuals or parts of institutions have gone
0: eureka and jumped out of the bath? Yeah, some have. Some have, have done great things. And you, you asked me that question before about the, uh, you know, was there a moment? And I'll never forget it. And it was probably about oh, six or seven years ago. Uh, but the Department of Human Services here in Canberra, they've got a really strong communications team and have done for many, many years under the leadership of, of Hank Yongan and others. And when it, it came to the market that they were looking for a, a, an approach for content marketing, so as it, you could better explain um the different uh, allowances and services and other things that were available through social services. Uh, And when that came out, I remember looking at it going, oh, wow, this is fantastic. Now, of course, we'd been talking to them and they have been consuming our content and understanding, but they've built a capability. So they're really, you know, they're very good at being able to uh, understand about the audience's needs of the audience and then to be able to create content. So high-performing organisations like that, um, the Australian Tax Office, another organisation who gets it, very, very good in the way they communicate. So there are a number of agencies who are very good, uh, but there are quite a few who are still on this journey uh, of improving the way that they go direct.
1: And looking over the horizon, um, what have you observed from other places, not just the Anglosphere, but around the world where the pace of the technological change varies? It's It's a different market in zimbabwe to it is in canada to it is in uruguay to it is on on the falkland islands but but the but the the, but the technology is still
0: there well the technology is but 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 the essential challenge is no no different the ability of government to go direct and to engage with citizens to explain what they're doing that doesn't change now there are parts of the public service who say oh that's not our job You know, our job is not to advocate on behalf of policy. And I totally agree with them. It's not, but it is their job to explain. It is absolutely the job of the public service to explain the policy, program, service or regulation. So it is a global... Uh, opportunity. It's a global problem, and the way you solve it is the way the way you solve it here in Canberra is the way you're likely going to solve it elsewhere. Now there are going to be differences in terms of context. So in Southeast Asia, for example, uh, you know it's mobile first. Everything's mobile over there, and you've you've got to be thinking about the audience that you're trying to get to. But that's the that's the great opportunity by take understanding and thinking about the audience, putting it at the centre of what you're doing, and then organising yourself around their particular needs than you thinking, well, I'm going to do it this way and they're going to come and see me. No, they're not. They're going to go, they're watching YouTube. They're on TikTok. They're doing a million other things. So unless you are respectful of the of the citizen and what their needs are, you won't be heard. Now, what the politicians want is they want people to understand what it is that they're, they're trying to do. They want to know, um, for example, in, in grants programs, they want the, the information about grants to get it to a wide as possible audience as, poss- as, as possible so people apply. That's what they want people to do. Um, so there's massive potential. And we are very, very, very early days. And, and one of the things I'm uh, quite excited about is that the OECD is soon to release its first benchmark report about government communications. And that'll come out at the end of this year. Uh, and it's it, for the first time. So as an area of study, this is the first one that the OECD has done. Now, WPP, the big global um, advertising agency, did a thing called the Government Leaders Report back in 2017. That was a very, very important piece of research in terms of uh, – calling out uh, the opportunity but also the challenges Uh, because, you know, the big challenges often for communications is that they're they're not involved in the important uh, conversations. Um, The skill levels uh, and capability in government to be able to grip up this opportunity is often not there.
1: I was going to ask you about since setting up Content Group and you've had many people come through these hallowed halls are you seeing a workforce, a new workforce, younger people coming through, fully equipped for the task? Has that changed o- o-
0: over time? Uh, I'd say they're better equipped. I wouldn't say they're fully equipped. I think, you know, young people... Should they be fully equipped coming no, no, out of look, an educational look, institution? No, uh, Look, I, I think it's a bit, a bit hard. Uh, you know, I, I think people get a lot, you know, when from learning on the job. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the skills... ...of being able to write well. Um, you know, I think that's a big challenge. I don't think we're getting a lot of great writers um, coming out of universities or tech colleges. I think we need to do a lot more improving... Deep the, PowerPoint. Well, yeah, it's not only that. It's being able to express yourself and yeah. being able to write clearly so as that you can communicate clearly. If you can't write clearly... Essentially, writing clearly denotes that you are thinking clearly. So you have to think clearly to then write clearly so people can then understand what it is that you're doing. So um, eh, technology-wise, yeah, uh, younger people are very good with the technology, but there's also the point of strategy and understanding that you've got to think about objectives. You've got to think about audiences. Um, And so, yeah, look, I think the – uh, you know, academic institutions are improving in the way that they're uh, developing the skills of people uh, in our particular sector. Um, but you know, it's going to continue to change. You know, it's, it's it's we're we're sort of up on our toes now, and we've got to keep keep evolving and adapting, and 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 really bringing traditional media skills into the organisation. So you need your production people who can create great content, you know, who can, who understand the technology, who understand video, who understand audio, who understand animation. You need those people on your team. So, you know, there, there's a very high threshold now um, for quality content. Like if you don't get your audio right, if your audio sounds terrible, you're dead, you're toast. It is so competitive out there. And this is what government and public sector organisations have to understand. You are competing against Netflix. You are competing against TikTok. You are competing against, you know, your favourite NFL or NBA team or AFL team, whatever it is. It is a very, very competitive market. So you've got to get the technical bit right and then you've got to get the content bit right. But the good news for government and public sector is that there is appetite for their content. People want to know what is going on. People want to know where they can get grants from. People want to know what that regulation's about. People want to know um, about what you are doing about a particular trade initiative or an agriculture initiative or an environment initiative. There is appetite for the content, but what government has to step up to the plate is not just take advantage of the fact that there's demand, but make sure that when they're telling this story, tell a great story and make it really rich and really useful and really relevant. And we'll get to that
1: when we talk about the future in another episode. To paraphrase something Maggie Smith didn't say in Downton Abbey, <laughs> you know, what's a Netflix? When you look back to where you were starting up, when there wasn't a Netflix or a TikTok or an Insta, whatever, whatever, if you had your time machine, what would you go back and do right at the beginning or somewhat close to the beginning that would that would have Better armed you for the for the for the now and the future. Is there something you go oh, I knew this was going to happen,
0: but I never quite saw that particular thing. Uh, not really. I think I th- look. I think the richness of the social um, and the capability of the social platforms. Uh, I don't think I'd ever have imagined that, that, that a, a, um, an application like a Facebook could have, you know, three billion plus users uh, around the world um, and to see uh, those applications becoming so central to the way that society operates. I would never, could ne- I don't think anyone imagined. I don't think they, don't, no one knew what was going on and we're dealing with that now. Because what's happened is mm-hmm. we've, we've let it go, we've let it go, we've let it go, and we're now at the point where everyone's going, hang on, you know, these, these applications, these algorithms are dangerous. You know, they are dangerous for our children. They are dangerous for misinformation. They are dangerous to our democracies. Which is exactly what Marshall McLuhan says well, and, <laughs> about television. And we've arrived. And, and, and here we are now. It, like, it's happening in, in the States. It's happening uh, at the European Union. It's happening here in Australia. You know, Prime Minister Scott Morrison was recently at the G20 and what was his big play? All about the social platforms. How do we build a framework, a global framework, that we can understand how these applications can be used? So I had absolutely no idea that that would have happened. But I think when you break it down into its component pieces where I came from, which was marketing, which is all about how do we connect with people, and then journalism, which is all about how can we tell great stories, those things aren't going away. So they are your basic building blocks of what it is that you're trying to do. So you're putting aside all of the contextual stuff that's happened and you break it all back to those pieces, the importance of engaging with an audience around a useful, relevant piece of Information or content, generally, as you mentioned before, a, a story, because that's what people like. People like to get information through stories. Um, if we stick around in that space, we won't go too far wrong. It won't matter what's happening with the different uh, applications or mobility or, you know, artificial intelligence or whatever it is or the metaverse that we're now going to be playing in. Um, Those basic elements are still going to be the foundations of any successful communication that government and public sector organisations need to take up. For now, David
1: Pembroke, thanks for the use of your chair and thanks for talking about where you've come from with Content Group and your thoughts about government communications. We'll be talking about the future, looking into the crystal ball in another episode. If it's, this is your first time listening to the GovComs podcast, there are over 100 episodes
0: where uh, communicators from all over the place... Talk- ju- can I just interrupt you there? There yeah. are actually closer to 300 episodes because it is called the GovComs podcast now, but it was originally called... Let me try to think. Um, God, I can't a be- memorable title. Clearly. No, it was it was um, it was called In Transition, and and that was when we started. And Alex Aiken, the former um, head of the government communications service in the UK, was our very first guest. Um, and in transition is yeah not sort of such a catchy tone. And the only other sort of part of a podcast around in transition was people doing gender transition, yeah, so no. it was hard to find. Okay. Um, but we probably did about a hundred and I don't know, hundred and ten of those. So we're we're closing in on around three hundred. So there's loads of content, and it's all <laughs>
1: from personal experience and everyone's story. Yeah. There are similarities, and then there are these amazing differences and experiences. You'll find them all. Well, you're here already, so you, you should be able to find them quite easily. But if you need a signpost, the signpost reads contentgroup.com.au. Yeah,
0: and I think they're all going to be up on the GovComs Institute as well, um, which is govcomsinstitute.com.au that people might want to go to as well. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, uh, sorry, in, in the next episode. But yeah, the whole purpose of the podcast is to teach is to learn from
1: others, from stories from stories <laughs> <So> who knew. <laughs> and with that, thank you and come back next time. Thanks very much Andrew to the Govcoms podcast. You've been listening to the Govcoms podcast. If you
0: enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and subscribe to stay up to date with our latest episodes.